Welcome to Red Leg Nation Radio, your home for discussion and analysis of Cincinnati Reds baseball all year long. Now here's your host, Chad Dotson. Hello everyone, welcome back to Red Leg Nation Radio, the world's most dangerous podcast. I'm your host, Chad Dotson, with me again tonight for episode number 250. Oh wow, that's a big number. Your friend and mine, Jason Linden. How are you today, Jason? I am fabulous and honored to be here for the 250th. It's a very special episode that we didn't realize was special until I just said the number. Yay. What's the, how, is, there's got to be a word for the 250th, right? Because you've got sesquicentennial is the 150th and the bicentennial is the 200th. Are you, Bis- are you making up words again? I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> English teachers. Um, I don't, there, I'm sure there is a word. I don't know what it is. Um, someone can't... Will, Tweet us at Red Leg Radio and let us know, I hope. Um, you want to talk about the Cincinnati Reds National League Baseball Club? Do. I do. And it's a, such a change over the last 12 months. I, <laughs> I enjoy talking about and thinking about baseball being played by the Reds men of Cincinnati now. Yeah, you've probably, since the beginning of uh, 2018, you've probably recorded 30 podcasts or more. But this is the first time that you're actually going to enjoy talking about the Reds. It, well, I'm re- recently the last few have been good, but uh, <laughs> right. But but you go back a while, and if, you don't have to go back that far. Yeah, we had a rough year last year. I, sometimes when I'm feeling like too happy, I, 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 I'm going to have to go back and listen to some of those podcasts from like April and May of last year to hear how down we were. You think that's a good idea? Just to bring myself no. down a level. No, I don't no. think. That. Good idea. Okay, maybe you're right. Well, it's another uh, week where we have a good bit to talk about with respect to the Cincinnati Reds, although they really haven't done very much to speak of. But, man, still in the news, just when it looked like the Reds were <laughs> finished or close to being finished with uh, off-season acquisitions, we get a week full of speculation about J.T. Rail Muto, catcher for the Miami Marlins. Uh, and let me just see if I can summarize the news we got this week because it came in, in kind of in waves. Uh, first of all, there were you know the Padres are in on uh, Real Muto, the the uh, see who else was it? The Braves, um, the Dodgers. I think it was the Braves. Either way, I know the Dodgers and and then Cincinnati was one of the four or four teams in on. And I have it pulled up here, and of course I'm having trouble finding it. But um, and then the news started to be well, maybe the Reds, the Marlins think that the Reds match up best with them because of prospects, the, the prospects in the Red system. And then well, it, it became we we heard a name, and now we did. the name we heard is Jonathan India, who was the yes. first round draft pick for the Reds uh, this past year, and. That kind of changed things in my mind with respect to Real Muto. I, I wanted to see Real Muto on the Reds, but I was a little bit hesitant to give up you know, a ton for two years of him, depending on what the, some of the names we were thinking. But then India's name came up, and I thought, hmm, what were your thoughts about that? Hey, India is exactly the like where my line is. He is the highest level prospect in the Reds system I would give up for Real Muto. That's exactly the way I'd put it. Yeah. Um, because let me, let's talk about Real Muto because he played for the Marlins and, you know, if you're not, uh, following baseball that closely, even though he's really, truly probably the best catcher in baseball, you're not going to know a ton about uh, JT Real Muto. He made his first all-star game last year as a 27 year old last year, hit 277, 340 on base, 484 slugging, um, 
He uh, put up 4.3 wins above replacement a year after putting up 3.6. He'll be 28 next year. He has two years left on his contract. This guy's good. I mean, this guy is legitimately... Everybody, everybody wants to say, well, the Reds don't really have a vacancy at catcher. They're not that bad at catcher. Tucker Barnhart's good, and, and it's true. Tucker Barnhart is a, is a – I have no problems with Tucker Barnhart. Right. But this is a huge upgrade to me. Do you agree with that? Yeah. Oh, it's an enormous upgrade, yeah. Yeah, I think I said somewhere or other that I think that it's as big an upgrade now as signing like any of the available pitchers would be over who the people they would at this point be displacing. Um. It's it's a it's a significant upgrade. Now, the so response I got from a few people, which I don't, I, I'm not, I don't begrudge anyone any kind of response on this. Uh, we're on, we, we're here to talk about the Reds. But one was, you know, I'd rather them go after a pitcher or a center fielder. Those are more important needs. And I'm like, well, yeah, I think that's probably true. But the flip side of that is, if you can get the best catcher in baseball. At one of the positions where I wouldn't say catcher is a weakness for the Reds right now. Again, I like Tucker Barnhart, but it's certainly not right. a strength. Yeah, I would agree. Tucker, Tucker is he's all right. Yeah, and and that's fine. <laughs> you know, there is value in a guy that's you know that's okay. There's value in that, but uh, I'd rather have the All Star, uh, especially for two years. Now there was also some talk that maybe some of the uh, some of the delay was the Reds were trying to work out an extension like they did with uh, Sonny Gray. I, I don't know that we saw any uh, reports that I thought were credible on that. Yeah, the report that I saw was that the Marlins were not going to let anybody negotiate. Which seems a little silly to me. I mean, From the Marlins' perspective, why wouldn't you let another team negotiate? Because it seems like that would, if, if, if another team, say the Reds, could work out an extension with him, it seems to me like you might be able to uh, demand more in a trade from the Reds, uh, to my mind. Yeah, I mean, it, it beats me. I, I don't know, but I'm, I assume they have their reasons. I just don't know what those reasons are. Let's flip back to Jonathan India for a moment. And I know that you and I both are extremely high on Jonathan India. That's fair, right? I think that's fair, yeah. Uh, <laughs> you seem to, Your response did not seem like you were really high on Jonathan India. It was like, hmm. well, I, he's still so... He's still so brand new. Exactly. Uh, you know, he's. I know he's well regarded, and I, I trust the people who regard prospects. But yeah, it's my. Uh, it's sort of my corollary, my single A corollary, which is that if a guy's not never played above a ball, I'm not going to get too upset about it. But he's a legit prospect. I think yeah. he was rated as the number five third base prospect in the entire league right now in terms of the new this prospect rankings that just came out. Of course, Nick Senzel was ahead of him. Still at third base in the prospect list, but um, Jonathan Inney, you said you had a really uh, interesting statement that I hadn't thought about it in these terms, but I think it's exactly how I feel, which is that he's kind of the cutoff. He's the he's the highest level prospect you'd consider giving up in a trade for a guy like J.T. Realmuto. And before we were thinking about guys like, um, you know, Taylor Trammell, perhaps, and you know, yeah. uh, and Taylor Trammell hasn't played above a ball. So, you know, I'm, I wouldn't get upset if that's who it was because I've got to be consistent. But that's, I agree. I'm, I'm hesitant to give up Trammell for two years, this guy. India, they just drafted him. Uh, he's probably going to be a pretty good player. But, you know, uh, I, I, I like the way you put that. And can you sort of, can you sort of tell me why that's the cutoff? Well, it's, he, he is such an unknown and, he doesn't, you know, I, I suppose we could say that to some extent, for instance, Hunter Green is still an unknown, but Hunter Green is an unknown 
um, about which people speak in hushed tones. Like, right. you know, he, he could be a sort of an all-world, multi-generational kind of player. And then the other two guys, Tramel and Senzel, uh, who are ahead of India, both rate as kind of like you hear people talk about them as though their their solid major league careers are a floor is a floor for them. So it's yeah, though it's just it's a lot to give up for two years of of somebody. Whereas India is. You know, it's like, well, okay, he should be pretty good, but also he just got drafted, and you don't know anything until you know something, and and yet, and we don't yet know enough about him, I don't think, to to feel like he just absolutely is, you know, not yeah. worth, you know, not worth this, not worth it in this trade or whatever. You know what I'm trying to say? Sure, he could be Nixon Zell in our minds here in a couple of years. I mean, we yeah. both we both believe that, I'm sure, but. You know, uh, Nixon Zell wasn't really Nixon Zell uh, initially. We didn't know what we had. And he's similar in that he's an SEC third baseman, uh, possibly second baseman, uh, possibly shortstop in our, our dream scenario. Um, and I think you're exactly right that he is probably going to have going to reach the big leagues and be a decent player. Uh, you know, I think that's his ceiling is, is pretty high. Hunter Green's ceiling is really low. Uh, or his uh, floor, I should say. India's floor is really, really high. Um, yeah. Hunter Green's floor is really low. I mean, he could <laughs> he could completely flame out, but his ceiling is off the charts. Right. Yes. His ce- what is his ceiling? It's like what best Randy pitcher in baseball. Johnson. Yeah, Randy Johnson. Right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, um, and not to say that he'll get there, but uh, that's why you sort of value a guy like that, even though he's not pitched. Uh, uh, you know. He's not gotten too far in the organization. Man, it's just hard to give up on a guy like that. In India, it's hard to give up on him, too, because you need these guys that are going to be contributors and possibly stars. We don't know. But, again, to get somebody, you got to give up somebody, and I'm okay. I'm okay giving up. Well, I mean, let's say the deal starts with India and Tucker Barnhart. I think we we can we can discuss things at that point, don't you? Yeah, oh, for sure. And. You know, the next question is, what else do you have to give up? And, you know, I'm probably not willing to give up any other top ten prospects. Yeah. Um, I'm willing to give up something more, perhaps, but, uh, you know, let's negotiate. But, I don't know, I just, I think of uh, JT Real Muto in the in the Reds lineup, and, I, man, what already looked like a pretty good lineup all of a sudden begins to look like the best lineup in the league. Am I overselling that? I don't think I am. No, you're not, because... With the exception of of Jose Peraza, I don't. I mean, everybody there is significant. Well, and I guess suppose Shebler, if we're being honest. Like, yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah. But there are five or six really, really fabulous hitters in that lineup. But even if you look at Shebler and Peraza, we're talking about guys that are uh, pretty good bets to be league average or better. Yeah. No. There's no. There's no like it's not um, a weak spot. No, there's no like Willie Tavares kind of like <laughs> right disaster in that lineup. Yeah. yeah. So why do the Reds go after a catcher instead of going after a pitcher or a center fielder? Do you have an answer for that? Uh I think you go there. The, well, I've got an answer. Okay. Because he may be available. You know. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Like, I don't think they have a center fielder available that they could get. That's going to be an improvement over what they already have. Right. And if there is, you, know, you expect them to go out and try to get that. Yeah. Um, 
AJ Pollock, who you and I were kind of hoping to see, he's a Dodger now. Yeah. And, uh, and, you know, in terms of the trade market, I know that Kluber is still, you know, theoretically on the market, I guess, but you're going to have to give up a lot for him. Um, so yeah, yeah, it, you know, you improve the team where you can improve the team. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I, would I prefer them to go out and you know improve at center field or pitcher, uh, you know, uh, sort of an equal amount of what they would be improving by gaining Real Muto? Sure, but however you can improve the team, you do it. Now, speaking of improving the team, one thing I wanted to talk to you about was there was some news about our old friend Dallas Keuchel. And I say yeah. old friend because you and I have been talking about old old Dallas for weeks and weeks and weeks now. I, I want Dallas Keuchel to be a Red, and we sort of settled. I think the last time you and I talked, maybe after the Sunny Gray trade, we sort of decided, well, it's kind of looking like probably Keuchel is going to be priced out of their, uh, out of the Reds' range at this point. Yeah. But then we had uh, some news this week that there are three teams in on Keuchel, the Braves, the Astros, and the Brewers. Um, Houston had offered two years plus an option. Milwaukee offered three years. Um, and don't know what Atlanta offered, but... Uh, all of the offers were far less than what had been predicted, which was something like four years in the neighborhood of eighty million for Keuchel. Uh Can you? And maybe it goes back to just everything we're seeing with the free agent market in the last two seasons. But are you surprised that Keuchel's market is so soft? And given that it's so soft, should the Reds try to jump in there and, and, and snag that guy? Man, the free agent market market is just so weird i mean you know there, there's been all of the noise it, it, it's good it's gonna be a mess but yeah keichel is worth more than he's getting offers for right now and the the reds for sure should jump in there um and and sign him if they can i mean i i don't understand how those are the actually the best offers that he's getting i really don't understand it Not me either i really don't get it um and, and it's possible that you and I are overrating Keuchel a bit there because opinions are mixed on how valuable he'll be over the next three or four years. But to me, we're talking about that neighborhood. I would go four years, 80 million, frankly. For yeah. And it looks like no one's offering that right now, which again, these teams know more than you and I do. They surely have more evidence, but things are so strange with all these free agents unsigned. <laughs> like, that I, I wonder what's going on. Would be the winner, right? What's like that? three years, sixty million would be the winner. Probably so. Yeah, guaranteed sixty million. And I, I think the Reds, given what we've sort of heard about what their budget could be this year, how's that not in the in the wheelhouse? It seems like it's somewhere in the neighborhood. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm. I, I when I saw those reports, I was mystified. So. The, so Trade for Rail Muto. Yeah. Who is uh how's how much is he making? Um I think it's like it's just like five million or something in arbitration this year or something. I can't remember. I'm trying to find it. I don't see it. But he's not making a ton, Real no. Muto. Wait, that's a, I mean I don't know what Tucker's making this year coming off, but a lot of that would be offset, I think. Some of it. Right, yeah. So um so add him and then add a Keichel? Yeah. All of a sudden, I'm you know, you and I have this. Uh, it's a it's sort of a running gag among people that we're too optimistic sometimes. I get that. Whatever. 
But you cannot tell me that you add Real Muto and Dallas Keuchel to this team, and it's not in the conversation for National League pennant. Oh, yeah, that team is a contender. There's no way it's not. There's no way. <laughs> so trade Jonathan India and go sign Dallas Keuchel. I, I, don't I mean, know. you're telling me in that, in that circumstance, Anthony DiSclafani is now your number six starter. DiSclafani, who I was hoping would be maybe a number two last year. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I mean, okay, and again, it's, it's not my money. Uh, but I can't believe the Reds don't have the money. You've been very uh, vocal about that. And it just seems to me like if you can make the Real Mutual trade especially, you know, you, you upgrade your offense, but then you make that one other deal by going out and getting that uh, just – and it's just money. You're not losing anyone. It's just – and yeah. it's a lot of money. I, I get it. But you go from having a team that has lost 90 games for four consecutive seasons to a team that is in the conversation – for possibly being able to go to the World Series. There's too many uh, variables to say, yes, they're the best team in the league, but, man, it just seems like they're awfully close to kind of kind of yeah. stop there. I would agree. You know what I like about Real Muto as well? If they can't sign him to an extension, what do you think about him as kind of the stop, the, the all-world stopgap to Tyler Stevenson? Yeah, yeah, I mean, that would boy, that would work real well. Yeah. I mean, Assuming that Stevenson comes along and developing catchers is a sure an uncertain game, but yeah. But when he's been healthy, he has been the guy they expected him to be as the number one draft pick. Yeah, yeah. So, oh my goodness. Would you be excited if the Reds were uh, one of the better teams in the National League? I, 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 I don't, my brain can't process it's that. Hard to, it's hard to understand what that even means. Oh, but so, yes, yes, to answer the question, I would be pro Reds being good. And and the the best part, you and I keep talking about this. The best part about let's let's say we're in our fantasy world and they trade for Real Muto, and I think that's still actually a possibility. Um, and then they sign Keuchel. I think that's for whatever reason less of a possibility. But imagine they did that. They will have brought in all these players. And they would have given up Jonathan India, and they would have given up Shed Long, and Jeter Downs. Basically, one of their top seven prospects they would have given up. Yeah, for all of these guys that we've yep. seen, you know, Tanner Roark, uh, Alex Wood, Yasiel Puig, uh, Sonny Gray. I mean, <laughs> that's a plus for the Reds organization. But it's going to depend on them being willing to spend some money to get that one extra pitcher in here. So. Uh, what what here here's my guess and I'll let you uh, give me the guess the the chances that Dallas Keuchel is a red on opening day um 12% I'm going to say 3% yeah <laughs> low <laughs> it's it's low unfortunately um just to sort of some housekeeping the red signed left-handed pitcher Ian Crawl and the minor league contract invited him to spring training um and the reason I mention that is only because uh, the Reds also are in serious discussions, according to uh, Trent Rosecrans and Ken Rosenthal, with uh, our old buddy Zach Duke, who was here for like a half year, but another left-handed reliever. So it looks like the Reds are searching for another lefty in the bullpen. And the only reason I mention that is the way it, to me, the first thing that tells me is, um, is where's Amir Garrett in this conversation as a lefty in the bullpen? But it also tells me they're ready, they're ready to move on from uh, Wandy Peralta and Brandon Finnegan, both of which are, are great things, I think. Um, 
Yeah. I mean, I like those guys, but you can't count on either one of them. The fact that the Reds are looking into additional bullpen help when the bullpen is already full. And I mean, Amir, Amir Garrett, I think, barring some weird injury that we don't know about, he's got a spot locked up. Sure, yeah. But it, what it also tells me, though, is that some of these guys who haven't been panning out the last couple of years, especially probably Robert Stevenson, are, are, they're not even on the radar. And we're talking about improving the bullpen sort of on the margins a little bit. Yeah. But, but I love the fact that they're they're still trying to improve this team. Even on the margins, that's an improvement, you know. It's a good thing. So, Ian Crawl, you've been in the big leagues, I think, every season since 2013, and I don't remember ever seeing you pitch. Um, I think he's been with the Angels and the Mets, and he's just basically a loogie. Um, yeah. But uh, Zach Duke, of course, he's, you know, he's been around. And uh, had a short stint with the Reds. You know, I don't know. I don't know if any of them are uh, worthy of uh, making the team, but I don't know. I just think all that's pretty interesting. The most interesting thing that happened this week, including the JT Rail Muto rumors, did you see, Jason, when Yasiel Puig came to town? I did. God, he's delightful. Wasn't it incredible? You know, he came in, did interviews with everyone, went to a, you know, a kid's... Uh, you know, camp or whatever, a baseball camp there that the Reds were putting on. He I saw him on MLB Network. He was telling everybody that it's not too cold here, and he was telling everybody, "I can't wait to help get these Reds back to the uh, the playoffs. I expect us to be in the playoffs." And he said something like, uh, "You know, it's going to be a fun. I'm you know, place. I can't wait to be here for the next six months or maybe more." You know, and when he said that, I was like, oh, "All right, now you're talking." So. uh and, and just watching the reaction on Twitter and everywhere with his visit to Cincinnati this week, his sort of first whirlwind tour of uh, the Queen City, was that this guy, this guy's going to be a Cincinnati legend. Don't you think he's going to be? I mean, he's just, you know, maybe not if it's just one year, but this is a guy that I think fans are going to fall in love with. I've already fallen in love with him. I'm so happy he's a Red. But uh, Me too. I'm... I'm, I'm it, it, it's like having Johnny Cueto back. <laughs> like, yes. Just so much fun. And it, and fun is good. <laughs> right. He posts all these crazy Instagram videos, and he's just, he's having a good time. And that's another thing you and I have talked about a lot. I love yeah. guys that just are enjoying playing the game. It's supposed to be fun, right? That's what you always say. It's supposed to be fun. Yes, it is supposed to be fun. So uh, there was a lot of talk when the Reds got Puig. There's a lot of sort of the old school types are going to oh, bat flips and he's having too much fun and he's disrespecting the game. I was encouraged by the response to his visit to Cincinnati. Yeah. Were you? Yes, I was too. Yeah. And do you think he's going to be, do you think he's going to be like the, the guy this year? What do you mean by the yeah. guy? Let me explain that. Do you think that he's going to be a fan favorite? Do you think he's going to be scooter level fan favorite? I think, I think he should be. I don't think he will be. I think he'll have the most popular uh, jersey in the Reds uh, store at the stadium. Think, let me say this. I think opinions about him will be sharply divided. I don't think there will be any middle ground on Yasiel Puig. I think people will all love him or hate him. I think the kids are going to love him. Yeah. My son already wants a Puig uh, shirt. 
I think that uh, I just think that he's something the Reds have never seen. Yeah. Uh, well, not quite, because you're right. Cueto was this way. But uh, we've not seen it in a while. I mean, Joey Votto is a special, special, special player. But he ain't Yasiel Puig in terms of, you know, just the... It's not a bullion like this. Exactly. Exactly. Which is fine. <laughs> Let that not be a criticism of Joey yeah. Votto. But uh, I don't know. I just, I got a kick out of it. I was... It was the first time that I've been like, oh man, I cannot wait for this season to get here. Because I want to see that guy in a Reds uniform. It's funny to see him in all his Instagram videos and everything wearing his Reds gear already. He's just, he. I don't know if it's just a bully, like you said, or if he's got some great PR guy <laughs> advising him. But he, every move he's made so far has been great. And if he comes in and actually plays like he is at his best, it's going to be amazing. Do you think he'll like uh, Skyline Chili? Uh, I have no idea. I think he will be surprised if someone doesn't dispossess him of the notion that it's actually chili before he gets there. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's my favorite, but I don't know that it's chili. All right, do you want to answer some viewer mail questions, Jason Linden? I always want to answer listener mail questions, Chad. We've got some great viewer mail questions. Let's week. hear all of the listener mail here oh, on this non-visual audio podcast. <laughs> um, I, I made a call for viewer mail questions on Twitter at Redleg Radio, and a bunch of you responded. Thank you so much, and uh, you know, follow us at Redleg Radio. That's at, for the time being. That's how we're getting our viewer mail questions. Our first question, hash brown viewer mail, comes from Matt Wilkes at underscore Matt Wilkes. Matt, of course, uh, probably the most talented writer at Red Leg Nation. You'd agree with that, I'm sure. I quit. <laughs> Matt Wilkes' question is, how many licks does it take to get to the Tootsie Roll center of a Tootsie Pop? I'll hang up and listen. See, Matt doesn't know that it's viewer mail, but he thinks we're actually on the radio. Well, that's closer to accurate than the, the moniker viewer mail. <laughs> how many licks does it take, Jason Linden, to get to the Tootsie Roll center of a Tootsie Pop? Well, I remember this answer definitively from when I was a, a kid. Because you're so old. There was the commercial with the owl, and the owl told us it was three. And so the answer is three, because as we all know, owls know everything. One, two, three. <laughs> with a crunch. <laughs> with a crunch. Yes, that's the answer. It's three. Yes. Thanks for the great viewer mail question, Matt Wilkes. As always, these questions are mostly about the Cincinnati Reds, as they should be. We are a Reds podcast, but I don't care. Ask us anything you want. Um, Bart Cause, I guess I pronounce it, at underscore Bart. It's at Bart underscore K-A-H-Z, asks, which new player acquired by trade will make the All-Star team? You want to answer this one or me? Do I have to limit myself to one? Yes. Who's the most likely? Let's say who's the most likely. You go first. I'm going to say Alex Wood. I think Alex Wood's going to be incredible, which could be bad for the Reds in that he's not going to want to re-sign here. But it could be very good for the Reds in that it leads them to the postseason. Alex Wood. All right. I will um, – it's hard for me to pick between Sonny Gray and Yasiel Puig, but I'll take Sonny Gray. I could see that as well. And I could see Puig because if, especially if Puig gets off to a good start – there's going to be a lot of media coverage of Puig in Cincinnati. A lot of runs in that ballpark is what I think. 
Yeah, and, and I could just see that becoming kind of the sensation around the league, you know, what Puig's doing at Great American Ballpark. So, uh, but I think it could be any of those. Probably, oh, but you know who we didn't uh, say? What about JT Rail Muto? Well, he's not an acquisition yet, so we can't comment yet. 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 Clayton Duncan at Clayton Duncan 12 asks us, hash brown viewer mail, should the Reds bring back Luis Alberto Bonilla? To be the opening day starter, obviously the answer to that is yes. Obviously, what else could it possibly be? Yeah, Clayton, that's not really not a very good question, man. It's an obvious answer. Um, hey, what do you think about Chris? You know Chris Garber? I'm aware of his existence. Yes, Chris Garber, who is uh, he's an uh, he's a Reds author. He wrote he co-wrote a book about the Cincinnati Reds, and he gave me a hard time last week because he said it was the first time in 56 episodes. That I didn't plug uh, my book. Can you believe that? I can't. I, I'm surprised we got through an episode without you mentioning it. So we're going to start a new streak now. All right. That book is co-written with Chris Garber, The Big 50. You realize you tied but managed to not break DiMaggio. I know. It was a DiMaggio-level streak, but I could not exceed <laughs> that Hall of Famer. Go buy The Big 50, Cincinnati Reds, available at bookstores everywhere. Um. Had a uh, retired colleague who, uh, this week who couldn't really figure out Amazon asked me to order a couple books and he wrote me a check for them. <laughs> I don't know why I mentioned that except that it kind of delighted me. He really wanted the book, but he didn't really know how to how to get it. Everybody know Chad accepts personal checks. <laughs> personal? No, do not give me personal checks. Please do not send me personal <laughs> checks. The last thing I need, with uh, for those of you that know what my job is, is people sending me money because it doesn't look good. Um, this guy's a colleague. Uh, <laughs> all right, we got to start this thing over. I've got myself in trouble. <laughs> Matt at Sh- Shari, Shiri, Matt, S-H-I-R-E-Y-M-A-T-T. Matt asks us, do you think the Reds will sign Wood or Puig beyond this season? I'll take this as first. The answer is yes. The Reds will sign Wood or Puig, Alex Wood or Yasiel Puig, beyond the season. Which one? Don't know. But I'm predicting they will work something out with one of those guys. And I would not yeah. be surprised if it were Puig. If he gets here and and the fans love him and he sees that it's sort of a different atmosphere than L.A., that he can thrive in, I wouldn't be surprised if it were him. What yeah, you, you know what's interesting? It's something I've thought about lately is like, there's all the talk about like free agents never wanting to come to Cincinnati or whatever, but the Reds have never really had a hard time keeping players they wanted to keep. Yeah. Um, and I assume that I mean you know there's something to that the, the sort of less constant glare of media as compared to some of the bigger markets or something I don't know, but um, I could see Puig and and one of the fun things I really like to think about is um, a 2020 center field that is. Puig and Winker with maybe Trammell in center. Uh, I oh, think. I, hold on. I, oh, I very nearly fainted. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> That's nice. Yeah. You know, we, we talk about the Reds made all these deals, get these uh, guys who are going to be in the last year of their contract, and, you know, what does that mean for the following years? But what we really sort of discount is the chance that these guys might resign. And the reason why I think that's significant is that watch what the free agent market's been like the last couple of years. If the Reds make a real offer to these guys, are they necessarily going to want to test the waters, given what we've seen? Probably well, not. You know, I mean, yeah, you take the guarantee and go. So I don't think it's uh, 
beyond the, the pale that the Reds could sign. Even both of those guys passed this year. Um, all right, let's see what we got. John Kennedy at JR Kennedy 70. This is a sort of a longer question. And uh, I'll ask you to go back and listen to the first part of this. The first question, uh, Doug Gray and I discussed a little bit last time around. But as of today, what's your opening day 25-man roster? And then the second question is, do you think new pitching coach uh, coaches can make any progress with Robert Stevenson to get him back on track to reach his potential? Uh, as of today, the opening day 25-man roster, what I'm going to do is I'm going to point everyone to Jason Linden's uh, piece at Red Lake Nation from this past week where he discussed that. Really, and, and that's actually what Doug Gray and I discussed on the last podcast. But what about the second part of that? Do you think that uh, Derek Johnson and his new staff can make any progress with Robert Stevenson to get him back? I mean, the former Reds' number one pick. And you've seen Stevenson pitch in the minors as much as uh, as anyone. What are your thoughts? I mean, anything's possible. I just I continue to not think that Stevenson's going to be in the organization when the season starts. I agree. I just. He's out of options. I don't see any real chance, barring a miracle, that he makes the team. And he's exactly the kind of guy that another team grabs hold of just to see if they can catch lightning in a bottle. Yeah. Although, you know, I could also see, I mean, it's not, uh, you know, it's not impossible that he starts working with Derek Johnson this spring and Johnson's encouraged and they figure out something with him. And so they keep him in the bullpen with hopes that he can be that guy. Because you and I, I think, both agree on this. Is one of the few things we do agree about is that, his stuff is still crazy good. He just can't throw yeah. strikes. He is. He just can't throw strikes. Yeah. It's, it's important. Yeah. It's important. Um, all right, Kevin ha- Hamilton. Kevin, your uh, Twitter handle is crazy. I can't uh, do all the Kevin HA4029426990210. Two-parter, thoughts on India, Green, Kemp, and Tucker Barnhart for uh, – JT Real Muto and another piece. So India, Green, Kemp, and Tucker Barnhart. Matt Kemp and Tucker Barnhart for Real Muto. And I don't think I give up India and Hunter Green. What about you? No way. No way. Uh, depending on what that other piece is that you're talking about. Uh, but yeah, I just I can't see that for two years of Real Muto. And uh, his next question if the Reds make a deal for uh, Real Muto, does that help them uh, get Dallas Keichel to town, seeing how they could clear Kemp off the books? Yeah, I think they got the money to sign Keuchel if they want to. Uh, yeah, anyway. and also Florida isn't taking Matt Kemp's contract. That's a good point. Florida is Florida. We keep calling them Florida the Florida Marlins, the Miami Marlins. But yeah, whatever the Miami Marlins. Yeah, uh, they're probably not taking on contracts in return. Uh, no, yeah. I think the Reds could deal Kemp, but I doubt it's it's there. Yeah, uh, the Marlins might take Kemp and pay like two million of his salary or something like that, but. Yeah, right. You're not taking the bulk of that salary. Yeah. Uh, Hash Brown viewer mail question from uh, Chad Dotson at Dotson C asks Jason Linden, what do you think about that great victory for the Georgetown Hoyas tonight? Uh, the only sports ball I follow is baseball. Georgetown beat Xavier, so I know we got a bunch of Xavier fans out there amongst this uh, our listener base, and so I'm, I'm sorry, I'm a, I'm a Georgetown guy. They gave me a diploma, but. Um, for the U- University of Cincinnati fans, hey, what about it? We beat the, we beat Xavier, so half of you guys are happy with me, uh, half of you are unhappy. But go Hoyas! Let's see here. Uh, here we go from Woodrow the Dog at half everywhere. Assuming no issues due to age, this is good. This is going, Jason. Uh, and, and let's keep it 
free from uh, political comment, but uh, assuming no issue due to age, current citizenship, or birth country origin, which current or recent red seems most qualified to serve as president of the United States? And uh, who would be the best house guest? He's saying recent equals after Sean Casey. <laughs> so which red seems most qualified? Most qualified to serve as president has got to be Joey Votto. For, absolutely, and I'm offended that you took that that obvious answer from me. <laughs> I'm sorry. I apologize. I should have known Coffee and Votto is, is your thing. Yeah. No, it's it's got to be Joe. I mean, I, if I want anything from a president, I want I want intelligence, um, and you know, sort of a, a measured sensibility. And and Joey Votto brings both of those things. Oh my! Yeah. Hey. And not only that, but a sort of uh, singular focus at being the yeah. best at what he does. And, you yes. know, Absolutely. so it's clearly it's clearly Joey Votto. Who would be the best house guest? Probably Sean Casey. You know, you know who I'm. I, I maybe Sean, but they said after Sean Casey. Well, I I included Sean Casey. So if we're saying after Sean Casey, who who would you say? I was thinking. I think Votto would probably be up there, but maybe not at, at, exactly at the top. I really think that A. Eugenio Suarez would be a fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Solid choice. Yes. Yeah. Solid choice. Um, I would say Billy Hamilton, but let me explain why. I okay. really don't like people. <laughs> and Billy Hamilton talks fast. He moves fast. You got to think he'll be out of the house quickly. <laughs> and I can go back to my uh, curmudgeonly life. So um, I'm going to say Billy Hamilton, although you're right. Suarez just seems like he would be a complete blast to hang out with. And I feel like not only would he be a complete blast, but he would leave and you would find that not only had he like washed, the, he had like washed, folded and put away the sheets. <laughs> right, he yes. didn't sleep on before he left. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I think that's a good one. Okay, let's see what a good question, Woodrow. What do we got here? Um, oh, here's an interesting question, I think, and I'm not sure. Uh, I'm not sure I want to tempt. <laughs> I'm not sure I want to tempt my fate on this one. But Tony at Cincinnati Scout asks, "You must sacrifice one of Hunter Green, Jonathan India, or Taylor Trammell, Green India or Trammell, to the quote." Bust gods. Who's most likely to bust and why? You want me to take this one, Chad? <laughs> I think we're probably both going to have the same answer, but yes, I want you to say it. All right. Uh, I mean, it's Hunter Green, no question. Hunter Green is easily the best bet of those to, to bust. I think Tramiel is up there, though. Oh, I don't. I disagree. <sighs> He's never played above A ball. True. But I mean, neither has India or Green. But like, but Trammell has, and I've I've been beating the drum. There was an article actually that yeah. drew attention to this again recently. But I've been beating the drum for several years now that if a player has plate discipline in the minors, those are the players who are least likely to bust. And so I think Trammell is actually a really good bet to have a good major league career. And that Hunter Green, who knows? I mean, it just depends on on pitchers. You know, there's no such thing as a pitching prospect. Yeah. But with Green, it's all health. Yeah, oh, for sure, yeah. And but just because he's a pitcher, and pitchers get injured. And, and for those of you that are new listeners or haven't uh, didn't follow, last spring I made a comment on Twitter about Hunter Green, uh, you know, could get, blow his arm out and he'd be, you know, worthless. So that's why the Reds should consider trading him. And, of course, Hunter Green 
um, responded on Twitter and it became a headline in the Cincinnati Enquirer and whatever. I, I was the bad guy. So anyway, but it's clearly Hunter Green. Um, he's most likely to bust. And the, re the why of that is just his arm. It's not his talent or anything like that. I mean, let's, let's be frank. I mean, anytime you give any three prospects who haven't reached the majors yet, if two of them are position players and they're, you know, prospects of roughly the same level, and one of them is a pitcher. The pitcher is the highest bust rate. You could give, always, yeah. You could give me a couple of A-ball hitters who are highly regarded and a triple-A pitcher who's highly regarded. I'm still taking the triple-A pitcher because his arm could fall off tomorrow. Absolutely. And, and, and if you look strictly at India and Trump, uh, Taylor Trammell, the reason why I may go India as the least likely to bust, and that's a tough call, but the reason why is because India is a – he's a college – hitter from L straight out of high school. Um, so, we, you know, I just feel like his chance of busting, busting. is less. Tramel though, you're right. There are some quotes, some interviews with him out there that just blow my mind and really puts me in the mind of Joey Votto in terms of a guy that's serious about his craft and is really trying to get better and really has an idea of what he's doing in terms of plate discipline and is uh, actively getting better every year. If, if Tramel makes it, He's likely to be a very good player, but again, he's still young. So, and well, he's younger than Jonathan India. Uh, he is, yes, because India went to uh, college, University of Florida. Um, but you're right. No, I, I love all those guys. Yeah, I, love, I, I don't want to trade any of those guys. I would really not be surprised if, say, the 2022 Reds had all three of them in their. If the if all three of those guys are in the lineup for the 2020 Reds, things have gone really well. I said 2022. That's what I said. Uh, are you suggesting that I made a mistake, Jason? I, I heard 2020. Okay. Uh, well, people will just have to rewind and listen to it. I'm pretty sure I said 2022. Uh, t Tony's other question was, also, why do you guys always antagonize and get in fights with Doug Gray with your alt accounts? It's hilarious. I, yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's really fun to pick on Doug and... and <laughs> like to pick on people who are fun to pick on. I get in no fights with uh, Doug on Twitter because I get in no fights with anyone on Twitter. Uh, there's too much fighting on Twitter, and I just can't deal with all that. Uh, Doug likes to argue with people and not argue in a you know bad-natured way, but he likes, to, he likes to debate things. You have a little bit of that as well on Twitter, Jason, at Jason Linden. I, I'm, I, will, I will get into some discussions with people every now and again, yes. I just... I, the, the, the difference between me and Doug, though, is that I am always right, and Doug is only sometimes right. <laughs> All right, okay, there you go. Jordan Barhorst, at Jordan Barhorst on Twitter, asks, hash brown viewer mail. We can't answer this question, but I'm going to uh, uh, modify the question for you. If you had to make a starting nine made up of only players who share the first initial of your first name, who you got? This has been going around on Twitter the last few days. It's a fun little exercise. We don't have time to do all nine. But tell yeah. me that your first round draft pick. I know who you're going to answer, but who's your first round draft pick of a player who shares the first initial of your first name that's going to be on your in your starting nine? I mean, that's tough. <laughs> it's not tough. It's going from the Reds. I mean, you know, my heart says Joey Votto, but my head says Johnny Bench. Um, but what about Joe Morgan? Jeez, see, this is what I'm talking about. Jay is the, you're going to have a great, if you did that, you'd have a great lineup. There's three, There's a third of your starting nine. Yeah. And Johnny Cueto? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. We probably Jose should. Rijo. Jose Rijo could be your guy. Uh, 
Yeah, that's that. My, I, I'm, I'm pretty feel pretty good about my first initial team. Oh man, amazing! What, what about you? Uh, what about you, <laughs> My first round pick is probably gonna have to be my uh, left fielder would be Chris Steins. Really? That's as good as it gets. <laughs> I couldn't think of anybody who started with C. Can you come up with anyone? Well, there was Cliff Pennington, Cliff Pennington, and Chris Steins, and. Oh, Chris Sabo. Oh, come there on. you go. Sabo's my third yeah. baseman. Although when I come to watch him, Wayne Krinchicki will start instead of him. That's a yes, different obviously. story. Yeah, you got Sabo. Who else do you have with a C? I, I couldn't, off the top of my head, just think I couldn't come up with many Reds. I couldn't come up with any, not, even if we're just not talking about the Reds. Who else? Yeah. See, there were, well, we had Kristen Orphia. <laughs> Kristen Orphia. Outstanding. I'm, I'm reaching. You are. But can you, think of, can you think of any stars like Hall of Famers for any team? Just off the top of your head, I couldn't come up with any that started with C. I, really I, I started to look it up, but I couldn't. Yeah. So. I don't know. I, I'm i sure that there's somebody obvious. I mean, well, there is Chris Sale, right? It's apparently just the Chris team. Um, I guess. Yeah, Chris Sale. There have been some Chads, right? There's, there was Chad Matola. Chad Matola. Yeah, most Chads don't play baseball. They're usually like members of a country club or something. Yeah, that that sounds right. That's got your sweat. Set. Got a sweater around their neck. Yeah. Oh, the worst. I hate chads. God, me too. <laughs> Especially when they're when they have pretentious middle names like Ulysses. <laughs> exactly. Even though that's not really my middle name. Ryan Rayburn at Ryan RPO five dedicated longtime listener to Red Leg Nation Radio. Although I bet he's not listening to all two hundred and fifty episodes. Ryan asks Hash Brown viewer mail if you could only watch one Indiana Jones movie for the rest of your life. Which one would it be? You take this one first, Chad. Yeah, I'll take this one because I'm a I'm a movie guy, uh, and Ryan and uh, this other guy that I'm not going to mention his name got into a discussion about it, and they were absolutely wrong about which one it was. Obviously, the answer is Raiders of the Lost Ark. It's the best Indiana Jones movie. Although Indiana Jones and the uh, the Holy Grail, the third Indiana Jones movie, is seriously underrated. Uh, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom is straight trash, Ryan. It is trash. It's awful. Short Round is insufferable. That's my answer. And there are, and the important thing here that we all need to acknowledge is that there were only three Indiana Jones movies. See, but there's where you're wrong. There's four. Indiana, no. Indiana no. Jones. <laughs> you're not gonna. No. You're not gonna concede no. the, the Crystal Skulls no. even existed. No, it didn't happen. Okay, I get that. But you know what? The flip side of that argument is. Shia LaBeouf. He yeah. was in the fourth one. That's the flip side of any argument. <laughs> exactly. You have an answer to that one? I do. I would personally go with the Holy Grail, um, but it, I think it and, and Raiders of the Lost Ark are both fantastic. But I, I've always, even since I was a little kid, had a kind of like Arthurian legend thing going. So. Oh, and plus, for me, uh, the fact that Sean Connery played oh, that, God. Indy's dad yeah. in that one, it's it's... And, and my favorite line from any of the Indiana Jones movies is uh, they're riding away, and uh, Sean Connery goes, uh, we named the dog Indiana. <laughs> so, anyway, there you go. I haven't watched that in a long time. I might need to dust it off now. That's probably one to watch. Uh, Branch at WV Redlegs asks, do you think the Reds will have a positive run differential in 2019? If so, how much? Positive run differen- differential. I think so. I think so, too. Um, I'm going to p- try to pull up here uh, what it was last year. I meant to do that before we started, but, you know, we're just sort of uh, we're on the fly here at Red Leg Nation Radio. 
Yeah. Um, absolutely, they will. In my opinion, I think that's no question. They'll have a uh, positive run differential. Last year, oh yikes! Last year was bad. Yeah, minus one twenty-three. That can't be right. Oh, oh it can. Uh, the la- the last three total. It looks like the last three. It's minus two. That can't be right. I don't know what this site is I'm looking at. What is this garbage site I'm looking at? Uh, anyway, the Reds are going to have a positive run differential. I'm going to say it's in the neighborhood of 100. I think it's real. I think they're going to score a lot of runs, and I think the pitching is going to be just enough to hang, hang in there. That, that's going to be wow. my, my guess. That's that's my guess. I think the offense is going to blow people away. I really think it's going to be better than anyone expects. Because that's, I mean, that's. Uh, that's you're talking about division winners there. Yeah, right. Um, hey, it's hey. Listen, man, we're having this polar vortex here. I'm freezing to death. I'm wanting some warm fuzzy feelings here, Jason Linden. All right, all right. I, I, I don't know if I can quite push myself to plus a hundred yet. Yeah, I know. spring training, but I'll I'll call it I'll call it plus eighty. Um, plus eighty. Yeah. I'll, okay, I'll take that. <laughs> Sign me up for that right now. Jeff at Jeff Carr, uh, Jeff, the uh, host of the wildly popular Locked On Reds podcast, uh, which is actually a good uh, podcast. Um, and, and that one, uh, the Hunt for Red October podcast, is sometimes not safe for work. Listen, but listen to all those podcasts. There's not that many Reds podcasts around. We need to support all of them. Uh, but Jeff Carr asks, of the newly acquired players, which would you like to play a game of Scrabble against and why? Now, I would not want to play Scrabble against Yasiel Puig because he speaks two languages and he would have an advantage over me. So I'm going to say... Uh, you can't have dual language Scrabble unless you're... Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's like 8D chess. I can't handle that. Yeah. So it's not Yasiel Puig. Who would I like to play a game of Scrabble against and why of the newly acquired players? I'm going to say... Tanner Rourke. Just because I like to say the name Tanner Rourke. So, I, I don't know. You have an answer to that one? I don't know. I just kind of think Alex Wood, and I don't have a reason for it. Alex Wood. <laughs> like, I don't know. I feel like for some reason, and I know nothing about any of these guys, I just have a feeling he would be the best competition in Scrapple. Yeah, but I don't want good competition. I well, I do. It's boring if you like double up on their score. True, and I do like Scrabble, and uh, but none of the guys the Reds have acquired strike me as kind of you know boneheads. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, yeah. There's none that sort of stick out to me. I don't know much about any of them, but Alex Wood seems like he would. I don't know. All right, I'm going to mention this guy's name. I probably should not, but I will. Uh, Philip Razor. Oh, it's too late. Uh. <laughs> At PSR 1973, 1973, of course, the year that Philip Razor graduated high school. Uh, Philip asks, I know Jason Linden likes good music since we've talked about it a bit. First of all, let's stop there. You like good music? I only like good music. What kind of music do you like? I don't think we've ever talked about this. Have we, have we, never, have we never crossed over here? I, my tastes are broad. Um Here's, I'll, I'll make my determination on whether you like good music by answering this one question. Do you like Bruce Springsteen? I do. Now get out of here. Springsteen yeah. is the most overrated 
Oh my gosh! You are incorrect. But this is this is when I'm when I'm in the mood that I'm in right now, and people ask about my musical taste, I refer to them. I refer them to the following quote by Louis Armstrong, which is that there are two kinds of music: the kind that swings and the kind that doesn't. Ooh, nice. I like it. Um, I shouldn't ask. I shouldn't finish this question because I don't really have a great answer to it, but. Um, I know Jason Lynn likes good music since we've talked about it a bit, but what does Dotson listen to? With that accent, I assume it's hillbilly music or opera. Hash Brown viewer mail, Hash Brown Jason hates Scooter. (laughs) (laughs) What kind of music do I like, Jason? You want to answer that one first? Well, you and I have agreed on some things. Have we? Yeah, we talked about Gary Clark Jr. at one point. We both enjoy him. That guy's amazing. Um, you, you have an affinity for a particular band. Yeah, I know. Everybody makes fun of me about it. I get it. It's all right. Yeah, it's easy. Like, it's funny. It's really, let's just, let's just be clear about how funny it is for a Dave Matthews super fan to attack someone who enjoys Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> Listen, I, mean, I accept that. At least with Springsteen, you can tell there are words. I, I accept that. Uh, I have seen more, uh, Dave Matthews band concerts than, uh, any other band, but listen, you got to give me a break on that one because when I was in college uh, in Charlottesville, Virginia, they were a local band, and so you know I kind of got into them then, so I've stuck with them. That's kind of reasonable, right? It's kind of reasonable. I will say this: my absolute favorite thing to think about when I think about you and music is, and I won't allude too heavily here, but people who know what you do for a living will find this amusing: is to imagine you at a Dave Matthews concert, running into someone that you have uh, recently interacted with in a, let's say, negative professional manner. <laughs> That's probably more likely at another band that I've seen a bunch of concerts uh, um, in live, which would be Fish. Yeah. Probably yeah, more that. likely that I'll run into some, some Fish yeah. fans that I've uh, encountered. <laughs> the, my musical tastes, I do love Dave. Uh, you know, that's the thing. I love Fish. Um Saw fish at Madison Square Garden last year, man. Blew me away. Um, but I love everything. I mean, I I get in these uh, kicks where it's nothing but Sinatra for a while. Um, I'm reading a Miles Davis biography right now that's just amazing. I love Miles Davis. Um, I love jazz. I love... Uh, I, I, there's so much that I like. It's hard. I, there's really nothing. I listen to... Uh, I've been listening to a lot of Wilco lately. I've been listening to... Because I love uh, Jeff Tweedy. I've been listening to Jason Isbell. I don't like country music, which is the hillbilly music Phil's talking about. I don't really like country music. But Jason Isbell is uh, kind of like, uh, he's not really country, obviously, but uh, Americana maybe. But I think he's just an unbelievable well, songwriter. That's, that's what I was going to say, is that for people like us, there's been this wonderful sort of genre division that they now classify things that used to be country as Americana. <laughs> right, and it's so and much better. Americana is all the country that I like, and then country is just all of the terrible stuff on the radio that I don't Right, I'm wearing the tight jeans and uh, and drinking beer and Yahoo. Uh, I, I know it's well the way I talk. It sounds like I would like that. And there was about a three year period in the '90s when I liked that kind of country music. Um, you know, Tim McGraw. Oh man. Um, but uh, Isbel, I love. My favorite band is, truthfully, is probably the Hold Steady. And if you haven't listened to the Hold Steady, there is no better songwriter in the world than Craig Finn uh, of the Hold Steady, and uh, I love that band. So I like a lot of stuff, uh, but I vehemently dislike Bruce Springsteen. Which just makes no sense. I know. I get it. 
Jordan Barhorst, again, another question. Who will win the Super Bowl? Um, I, I, I have a prediction for this, actually. Okay, I'm going to predict the Bengals. Are, are they in the Super Bowl? I'm, I don't think so, but here's my Super Bowl winner prediction. You ready? I'm ready. Everyone who turns off the television before it starts. Oh, yes, yes. I know who's in the Super Bowl. What do you think about that? I'm a big sports I, fan. I know I, I know who's in the Super Bowl, I'm pretty sure. Pretty sure I know. <laughs> um, yeah, it's the Rams. It, it's the Rams yeah. and the Patriots. Yeah, I, I, I knew the Patriots, and I was pretty sure the Rams. Uh, Jason, uh, Jason M. Antras says, not really a question, but more of a comment. How in the world did you guys leave off Vinny Gambini from My Cousin Vinny a couple weeks ago when you were discussing best fictional lawyers? You were on that podcast, right? Best fictional lawyers? I was on that podcast, yeah, yeah. Highly disappointed, guys. Keep up the great work. I look forward to the podcast every week. Hey, that, Vinny's a great one, My Cousin Vinny, but I still think I had the best answer to that question of the best fictional lawyer which was the unfrozen caveman lawyer um, now here's the question i've been looking forward to this whole time and i will answer it first and i'm probably going right. to steal your answer because you're not prepared for this one okay but, but garrett man at movie underscore man 98 i love it i absolutely love it uh if you could bring back one pitcher and one bat from the 2012 season 2012, of course, the last time the Reds won the uh, National League Central Division. If you could bring back one pitcher and one bat from the 2012 season and they would have the same season they did in 2012 for the 2019 Reds, who would you pick? Now, I know with pitching, you and I are going to answer the exact same thing, I think. I'm taking 26-year-old Johnny Cueto, who is 19-9, 2.78 ERA that year. 148 ERA+. plus. You put Johnny Cueto, 26-year-old Johnny Cueto, in this pitching staff, and this team is unbelievable. Uh, I was tempted to say uh, Logan Andrusek for the pitcher, or J.J. Hoover, or possibly even Pedro Villarreal. But I'm going to go with Johnny Cueto. Uh, for hitter, the hitter that I would put in the lineup for the Reds, this is a tough one. This is a really tough one. i, I got to tell you, <laughs> I don't know one. I may say Ryan Hannigan, even though his numbers are going to be roughly similar to what Tucker Barnhart would have, but there's nowhere else in that 2012 Reds lineup that I think you get a big, huge upgrade. Joey Votto, maybe, but we still got Joey Votto. Well, and the, also the problem is that that was the year that Joey Votto was having the greatest season ever and then got hurt. Exactly. He only played 111 games. So, yeah, he was amazing, but I might take my chances on 2019 Joey Votto, I guess. Uh do you take Brandon Phillips that year at age 31, who had a decent year? It was basically roughly average with the bat. It was a little above average defensively. You take him over Scooter or Senzel at second? No. Cozart at short? I don't take 26-year-old Zach Cozart over Jose Peraza because that year Cozart was not good Yeah. with the bat. Now, the glove, Cozart was always great. Third base, Scott Rowland was not good that year. People forget he was really not good, and I don't. No, think it's it. funny to look at these numbers because I'm staring at them right now, and that's just I feel like such a beloved team, and I'm surprised at how kind of mediocre the offense was. It really was. It was because that crazy staff was a big part of it. But yeah. I don't take him over Eugenio Suarez, Ryan Ludwig in left field. 
It's pretty good numbers. I'm just going to say, uh, I'll, I'll go ahead and jump in now. I for sure would take Johnny Cueto, obviously. And then I think, I think I might take Ludwig, actually. Yeah. But over who? It would either be Ludwig or Jay Bruce, both of whom I feel like would be an upgrade offensively over Scott Schepler. <sighs> yeah, but you still have a problem. I guess if you put Puig in center field and Ludwig and, and or Bruce along with Winker in the outfield. Bruce, early in his career, got some reps in center. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, absolutely. And, and at, that, at that tw- point, he was 25. Yeah. He probably still. Oh, put that's a good one. That's what yeah. I would do. I take Jay Bruce, slugged five fourteen that year, thirty four homers, ninety nine RBIs, and put him in center field. That's yeah, a good call. Yeah, a world center fielder there, but he'll he'll get it done for you. Yeah, you take him over Deonor Navarro. Uh, yeah, but probably not over Xavier Paul. What about Mike Costanzo? God, Mike Costanzo. You know Mike Costanzo. I oh. do only because of the Seinfeld jokes we all made. <laughs> T Bone. <laughs> yes, Christopher Negron. I look oh. at that team, and I don't. That offense is not any better than the offense the Reds have in 2019. Oh, that offense is worse than what the Reds have. I'm just that about to get is, irrationally excited about 2019 from looking at that. That offense is Joey Votto and some guys he found at a beer league. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. Uh, Jose Arredondo pitched 66 games for that team. Logan Andrusek pitched 60. Good grief. Okay. Uh, yeah, I think that's good. So, Jay Bruce Centerfield, Johnny Quaid. Um, quickly, let's get through the last through. In a race around the bases with – this is uh, at Mike Flick. Uh, in a race around the bases with Billy Hamilton starting at home, where would Sean Casey have to start to win the race? Obviously, third base. Yeah, for sure. Um, There's no way that – I mean, maybe halfway between second and third. But. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, Michael Pruitt, what will Nick Senzel's walk-up music be on opening day? If it is uh, Thunder Road, I will immediately call for him to be traded. You know you know what I've always thought? We This, this, this is a little bit of a, um, a callback, but I think you'll get it. Ever since it came out, I've really thought that if you had the right kind of super cocky rookie, there's a Gary Clark Jr. song that's perfect. Like, uh, it's, it was his single, it's Bright Lights, Big City. And just the way that starts where it's just like, you're going to know my name. And I'm like, if you had a really like the right kind of cocky rookie, that would be fantastic walk-up music. Yes. And Zell needs to do that. I love it. Yeah. Gary Clark Jr. Man, that guy's so talented. Um, I'm going to say it needs to be a freak bass song because freak bass does the, uh, intro music to our podcast and he's a great friend of the podcast and we love Freak Bass, Freak Bass, who has a uh, new album coming out. You need to all go check that out. Uh, Jason, any final thoughts uh, before we put this podcast to bed? We probably need to get out of here. Uh, no, I don't think so. I am excited for baseball, and I hope that uh, I hope the Reds get one more like player that I'm excited about before things start. Sounds well, like that might happen, and it would be nice if it did. Yeah, one more player, and uh, things really start to get interesting. For this team. All right, you can subscribe to Red Leg Nation Radio wherever you subscribe to your podcasts. I always encourage you to go to iTunes, especially or Apple Podcasts, and leave us a rating or a, a review. Uh, only if it's a five star rating. Thank you, Michael Keffer, for uh, the most recent uh, review that you left at uh, at iTunes. He said the podcast is funny. What do you think about that, Jason? I'll take it. <laughs> yes. Um, 
go leave us a rating and review. Uh, really appreciate it. Uh, tell your friends about us if you like us, because that's how we find new listeners, and our listener numbers go up every week. And that's because you guys talking about us. And as we always say, if you like us, talk about us. If you don't like us, keep your mouth shut. Go by the Big 50, the men and moments that made the Cincinnati Reds, wherever you find books. Um, follow Jason at Jason Linden on Twitter. Follow me at Dotson C. We're at Red Leg Radio and then at Red Leg Nation on Twitter as well. And then RedLegNation.com where we've been following the Cincinnati Reds every single day since 2005. Jason, always great talking to you, buddy. Always a good time, Chad. For Jason Linden and specifically not for Bruce Springsteen, this is Chad Dotson saying so long, everyone. Thanks for listening to Red Leg Nation Radio from RedLegNation.com. Subscribe to Red Leg Nation Radio on iTunes or through your favorite podcast app. And join us for discussion of all things Reds at RedLegNation.com. 24 hours a day, 7 days a week.